Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and I thank you for tuning in to our show this morning. You know, it's been a while since our resident animal-themed book reviewer has been in, but guess what? Mary Dill has a brand-new batch of books for us, and I think you're really going to enjoy her evaluations. She always picks out some really great stories, and then later in the show... Debbie Kendrick has an amazing account about how students are helping to save the lives of shelter animals. All this and more are coming right up, so stay tuned to the Pet Place Radio Show here on AM 1260. You are listening to the Pet Place Radio Show here on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett, and Marianne Dell is here, too, with her latest batch of books about animals. Hi, Marianne. How's Hi, it going? It's going well. How are you, Marie? I'm doing well. We've missed you here. I'm glad that you're able to, to come back and review some more books for us. Yeah, it's been a while. Well, it it's good has. to be back. Yeah. I always enjoy it. <laughs> well, I know that you've found four brand-new books for us, and I think the first one on your list is called Hooper Finds a Family. Yes, it is. This is by Jane Paley. It's fifteen ninety nine, published by HarperCollins. And it's about a subject that's near and dear to my heart, a dog who gets separated permanently from his family because of Hurricane Katrina. Hmm. And we all remember 2005 and the wake-up call and the devastation and everything else that Katrina was. And I worked down there for a week. I remember, yeah. You saw it firsthand. Yeah, at Lamar Dixon. I did not go into New Orleans. Those were the really brave, brave people. But we saw a lot of very sad, sad animals Mm. and very sad people looking through the shelter there for their animals, most of whom did not find them. Wow. So it brings it all around to me to read about little Hooper, who is a young pup who, like many animals, got left at home by his family when they left because of the hurricane warning. Mm-hmm. Not unusual. Happens a lot down there. Sure. And Paley, who's a television producer, her name sounds kind of familiar, might sound to some listeners, um, she wound up adopting Hooper after everything was said and done. With ah, okay. And he lives with her now in New York. And she <laughs> That's a big change. It's a big change. Yes, it is. <laughs> and she, of course, has to extrapolate what Hooper really went through, but she tells a story of trying to survive with the wind and the lightning and the rain and all the unusual animals who came out in it. Um, wasn't just dogs and cats. There were wild animals that mm-hmm. were left devastated by this, too and takes Hooper through a shelter experience. And then finally, not without a little bit of trauma and trouble, gets him settled into her home. And I I like the way she tells the story. She puts just enough information in there for the young readers for whom this book is aimed to get a feeling for what went on, but not so much that it leaves them terrified. Sure. 
This is an end, an uplifting story, how one of the animals who was left homeless no longer is homeless. Okay. And when you say young readers, what's the age range? I would say, you know, if someone is an early reader, uh, kids around 7, 8 could certainly read this, certainly kids around 9, 10, even teenagers. As an adult reading it, I enjoyed the story. Okay. So really it's a story for everybody. Yep. It really is. And you can read it to your young children who aren't reading on their own yet, and that would be okay? Okay. And and I think it's a nice tale about how sometimes the the other lesson here, Paley had some trouble because Hooper was very uncomfortable with her husband, and he wasn't sure this was an ideal match, and it took some doing to get everybody together. They had just lost a dog who Mm -hmm. her husband was very attached to, and Uh so it was very difficult for him bringing in a new dog. Yeah. And it's got the nice lesson, too, that, you know, dogs aren't couches that you plop down in the middle of the family and they just sit in. Right. It takes some time. And I think that's where most people go wrong when they um, give up on an adoption early on. They haven't given a pet enough time to adapt and adjust. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad Absolutely I'm right. glad she writes about that, and I assume it all has a happy ending. Yes, okay. it does. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. That's important. Okay, well, let's talk about your next story, Boo, the Life of the World's Cutest Dog. <laughs> okay, this is just nothing but happy. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I discovered Boo on Facebook probably about a year ago. He is a little... Puff-headed Chihuahua. His owner keeps his body shaved and his head is puffy. Oh no! <laughs> and it's just adorable. And uh-huh. he's got the most expressive face, big eyes, big smile, and of course she dresses him up. Oh no! Not always. <laughs> um, one of his trademarks is Naked Wednesday. <laughs> Naked Wednesday. <laughs> he doesn't okay. wear any clothes. <laughs> and she has a knack for writing very, very cute captions on the photos she posts of him. So I think the combination of this cute little dog and the clever wordsmithing that she does just have attracted, well, he has well over 1.5 million likes on his Really? Wow. <laughs> I'll have to check this out. I've, you, I've never even seen this. You will. Just search for Boo. Okay. <laughs> and uh, if you're like me, you'll find yourself sitting there realizing an hour later you've been doing nothing but looking at photos about this little dog. <laughs> oh, no. And as is inevitable, when social media brings fame, Boo now has a book. Oh, okay, okay. And I just, again, I just love this. I am such a sucker for a cute little dog. Now, is this mostly a picture book with captions? Yes, it is exactly a picture book with captions. But the pictures, the photographer, um, Gretchen, I will probably butcher her name, LeMaster, is awesome. I think she takes the photos that are on the website, too. Okay. they are just, the lighting is beautiful, the expressions that she captures. I wish I could capture expressions half as cute on my dogs. You know, they always look so cute, and I snap the picture, and it's worthless. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> and okay. It just describes a day in the life, and it talks about things he likes to do, like play and hide in drawers, and uh, wrap himself up in blanket burritos. You can imagine what that looks like. <laughs> And play with his best friend, Buddy, who is another Pomeranian. Okay. Um, that the author, uh, J.H. Lee, owns. And it's just it's just adorable. I can't say how cute this 
Okay. Well, I'm definitely going to be checking this out. So it's Boo, the life of the world's cutest, cutest dog. dog. Yeah, uh, outstanding. It, it is adorable. And then we have a book called The Magic of Myron. Yes, another Facebook phenomenon. Oh, okay. <laughs> Myron Wood, who lives in Australia with Raquel Wood, the author, and her husband Terry. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Boo has a very interesting story. They have always been dog people, and not too long after they were married, um, having lost one of their dogs at too early an age and facing cancer with the remaining dog they had, someone had found a litter of puppies, and they adopted one of them. And this poor dog turned out to have all sorts of problems. Mm -hmm. One of his eyes started swelling. He lost the eye. Oh, he developed no. problems in the second eye that lost that one. Wow. He had tremendous allergies. He started seizing, and they went through the tremendous difficulty of trying to figure out what was causing the seizures, how often they occurred, how to manage them, mm-hmm. and trying to manage his allergies. So, But he remained, as dogs are wont to do, upbeat and happy and playful through all of this, isn't that amazing? Being blind doesn't stop him in the least. He chases balls, catches them. No way. Tell me they don't have powers we don't know about, <laughs> senses that we don't know about, that we've only just begun to try to understand. That is absolutely incredible. Yep, he does tricks. And she started taking him around to visit nursing homes, um, got some interest from local media, decided that, hey, maybe she could do some good by showing off this dog who had these afflictions and yet still was happy as could be and lived a really good life and maybe get some, generate a little bit of income to help pay for his many vet bills. Wow. And so how how has that all worked out? Um, Pretty well. She started a campaign. Her thing became getting, uh, doing appearances with celebrities if there were local, you know, celebrities Mm -hmm. around. And, I mean, some of the people... um, very, very well-known people in Australia. That is so cool. You know, and even a cool from this, a few from this country who've been over there. And she has a collection of photographs, you know, autographed photos of celebrities with Myron. Um, she posts a lot of those pictures, a lot of information on his website, his mm-hmm. Facebook page, which is <laughs> Myron Wood. Okay. Um, and then there's also a few other blogs that she has. Mm-hmm. Um magicofmyron.com is the best place to go to buy the book. You okay. have to order it through her. You have to pay $20 Australian. And um, she's very good about emailing back and contacting you. And it was, I believe, when I ordered my copy, it was just going into another printing. Okay. And um, so she was very good about telling me, you know, I have to wait for the books. They won't be here for a few days. And then when she sent it, telling me she had sent it. So, of course, I should say Myron is doing this communicating. Oh, 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 of course, of course. Blind Myron emails. That's right. Even That's, more, yeah, even, even more, more impressive. Yeah. Precocious than we realize. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So it's not available on Amazon or anything like that? I haven't seen it. Okay. Um, I would.
would think that maybe at some point it would be. Okay. But um, admittedly, I haven't checked recently. Actually, I can do that while we're talking, and I'll let you know if I find it. Okay. Well, in the meantime, let's uh, switch over to your last book, How to Behave So Your Dog Behaves. I like that. Yes. Remember we were talking we were talking about the Hooper book, mm-hmm. that dogs don't always fit right into a family. Sure. They more often don't. Mm-hmm. They don't just magically understand what we want them to do, even though sometimes I think people think that's how it works. Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, well, Sophia Yin is a veterinarian, and she specializes in behavior. She uh, has an MS in a related field and has done a lot of work, is very well respected in the veterinary training and behavior communities. Um, she created, I don't know if you're familiar with the device called the Manners Minder. No. Which is a remote training device, which is terrific for teaching downstays. I used it to teach my dog contacts and agility. Um, it's got many, many uses, and it's her baby. Okay. Uh, she's one of those people you just, I just know is always thinking. I doubt her mind ever. <laughs> And how to behave so your dog behaves is a basic primer on how to establish a relationship with your dog and maintain it through consistency and communication, clear communication, that makes the consequences for behavior very, very clear to the dog. Okay. And she starts by suggesting that everybody teach their dog to sit to say please. Same thing that a lot of us call learn to earn or no free lunch. Um, but she's got a she's got a really nice tone when she writes too. She's very personable. A lot of dog training books, no matter how hard trainers try, tend to be written for other trainers, not to the general public. I've noticed that. And for someone who understands the language and has worked with dogs for many years, it's a no brainer to understand them. But for the average pet owner it can be a little tough. Okay. And Sophia has one of the best explanations of what we call the, re- the reinforcement punishment quadrant, which is positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. and how they work and why they work and what each means. Um, it's just something that has befuddled frustrated trainers from day one because there's so many, not so many interpretations of it, but there's, it's just a, one of those fuzzy logic issues for us. Okay. Okay. And uh, when we try to explain it to the general public, eyes glaze over, as they should. It's really, you know, like trying to understand quantum physics. They mm-hmm. just want me to understand why light travels faster than sound or something, you know. Well, this sounds like it's an outstanding book then it for is. people who want to get their dogs trained and, and basically learn how to train themselves first. Absolutely, and it goes through an entire basic obedience program, sit down, come, stay, walking on leash, gets into some more dicey behaviors like separation anxiety and food aggression. She has frequent um, mentions, references to her website, drsophiayin.com, which is just a wealth of information, okay. including a lot of training videos that you can watch and see how she's taught dogs the very things she talks about. Wow, that Which sounds I, great. Yeah, I think it's an adjunct to the book. It's wonderful. Okay. Hey, any luck uh, finding anything on Myron? I do not see okay, that well, particular book on Amazon. Let's go ahead and remind our listeners then what that website is if they wanted to order that book. Okay, it's Magic of Myron. 
www.jazzyjeff.com. And I'm sure if you're on Facebook and you friend him and just put a link that says or post a message that says, Hey, Myron, how can I get your book? you'll get an answer. Excellent. Marianne, you find the cutest books about animals, but then again, with that kind of subject matter, it's hard to go wrong, so thanks for stopping by today. All right, Marie, it's been great as always. We need to take a quick break now, but when we return, Debbie Kendrick has a real-life story to share that involves students saving the lives of shelter pets. You won't want to miss a moment, so keep your tuner on AM 1260 for more of the Pet Place Radio Show. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show on AM 1260. It is my pleasure now to introduce Debbie Kendrick from Animal Behavior College. Welcome to the Pet Place, Debbie. Why, thank you. It's very nice to be here. I understand that you have a very special program that you're involved with, something like Students Saving Lives. Can you tell me about that? Oh, I'd love to. Um this program is part of Animal Behavior College's Certified Dog Obedience Instructor Training Program. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we do offer two other certified programs, but this Student Saving Lives is strictly a component for our dog obedience students. Oh. And, and what, what's involved with that? I mean, Student Saving Lives, we're talking about animal lives, right? Absolutely. Uh, each one of our dog obedience students are asked to volunteer a minimum of 10 hours of training time at a local shelter, humane society, or rescue. Oh, that's great. Because if the animals at the shelters or rescues have good manners and are trained well, they're more likely to be adopted. That is exactly why the program was implemented. You hit the nail right on the head. (laughs) That is wonderful. And what's the response been to this so far? The response has been overwhelming. Um, I could not be more proud of all of our students, and I could not be more proud to be part of it. How many students so far would you estimate have been involved in this uh, process, and how many animals have they worked with? Um, Well, since uh, we started the program, which was back in 2004, um, we've had over 6,000 students actually volunteer their time uh, in the Student Saving Lives mm-hmm. program. And um, to date, we are very proud to say that over 67,000 hours have been donated by our students in shelters across the country. Oh, that is just wonderful. You, you're probably very proud of this because I know this is your idea. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of my brainchild, but to tell you the truth, I, I, can't, I couldn't do this without, you know, the help of all the wonderful, dedicated animal lovers out there, and all of our students really stepped up. I mean, it, it's, it's really rewarding for all of us. I bet it is. And for you personally, what inspired you to come up with this concept? Well, although I'm the president, or I'm sorry, the vice president of Animal Behavior College, mm-hmm. um, I'm also a professional dog trainer. Okay. And so uh, during my 20 years of training dogs and working, with an- and working with owners, I've worked with literally thousands of people, um, you know, teaching group classes and doing private lessons. Mm-hmm. And I have seen countless situations where people come to me for me to help them with their dogs. And the dogs are doing what I would consider simple, normal things that all dogs do, um, you know, that are untrained and, you know, probably very young. Mm -hmm. 
Um, unfortunately, um, to address these issues, uh, you know, the, it requires time on the owner's part. You know, they have to actually take time out of their very busy schedules to work with them. And, um, you know, with people's hectic lifestyles today, the time is not always made a priority, and the dog is taken to the shelter for just being a normal dog. Oh, I know. I can't tell you how angry that makes me. I, I worked at the Orange County Shelter for many, many years, and people would come in with these beautiful dogs, and they'd say, you know, it's a bad dog because it's doing this, because it's doing that. And I would ask them, well, did you work with them on this at all? You know, and, and they'd, they'd make all these silly excuses, and you could tell that they didn't put any kind of time or effort into it. And and they were basically giving their dogs up to potentially a death sentence. And, you know, we worked next door to a jail where our animal shelter was, and I'm probably lucky I didn't end up in that jail, <laughs> jumping over the counter to strangle these people. But, um, yeah, it, it just drives me crazy when, when people blame the dog and, and don't really take action. I completely agree. I've I've worked with people and their pets and, I mean, it was, I mean, the most silliest thing. The dog is shedding, you know. Oh, and, I mean, yeah. you know, well, of course the dog is shedding. You know, it's a dog. Yeah, that's what dogs do. Uh huh. You know, you know, the dog is you know destroying the lawn, you know, because they're going to the bathroom in the backyard. Well, yeah, that's what <laughs> dogs do. You know. Oh, yeah. You wonder what goes through people's minds when they bring a dog home in the first place. I know. I, I, know. I think. Maybe they should just get a stuffed animal and put it in the corner and say that's their pet. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, but, uh, I totally agree. At least they're coming to you to get help, and and you're probably helping a lot of dogs and a lot of people and keeping them together. We try. Well, that's good. And for the ones who do end up in the shelter because they had rotten owners to begin with, mm-hmm. <laughs> they have a second chance because of your students. Tell me a little bit about that process. What do the students do when they're working with the shelter dogs? Um, Basically what the students um, do is they work on socializing the dogs. Um, They they spend a lot of time uh, walking them, uh, teaching them to trust again. They work on simple things, um, what I would consider simple things, like just teaching the dog not to jump on people mm-hmm. um, so that prospective adopters will see a well-mannered dog that is approachable and calm. Uh, because, you know, when you know prospective adopters come in, they often bring their family with their children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though the dog is really super cute, you know, that's in the cage, but he's so excited. You know, they don't want to open up the cage because they're afraid, you know, the dog will jump on their kids or them. And... You know, just something so simple as teaching the dogs what we call four on the floor. Just keep four on the floor, you know, wag your little tail, wag mm-hmm. your little tushy, you know, that's cool. But, you know, keep those paws on the floor, you know, the people will tend to open up the gate, you know, they'll tend to go in and they'll bond with the dog and that just increases the adoptability chance, you know, tenfold. Wow, that sounds wonderful. And how are the animal shelter uh staff people responding to this? Are they pretty positive? Absolutely. Uh, we we talk to shelter staff you know, who supervise and work with our students, and they're very, very thrilled with all the help. Uh, they've actually also told us that our students are teaching them things, um, you know, that they didn't even know about. 
um, you know, certain techniques and stuff. So it's it's an exponential, you know, um, kind of process here. We send this, you know, we send the student in, and then the student ends up working, you know, with the shelter staff. So I mean, everybody benefits from this. Do the students have to go through volunteer training before they can begin training the dogs? I know a lot of shelters have very strict policies before they'll let people volunteer, or is that waived in this case? It is not waived, and it is, I I would say, to be fair, it is a per shelter, you know, stipulation. Some shelters will take the the fact that our student is involved in our in our school mm-hmm. and, and waive it, and some shelters will not, and they'll still require them to go through a, a volunteer training, if you will. Okay, so so they're all set on the shelter policies. They know all the safety rules, and then they could get in there and take care of these animals and help them find homes. Absolutely. Hey. Well, before we, I let you go, because we only have about a minute, how can somebody get involved in the training program, and do you have information about this on your website? Absolutely. Um, anybody can call us. I'll give you our 800 number. That's 800-795-3294. Uh, or they can visit us directly on our website, which is www.animalbehaviorcollege.com. And all there's hundreds of pages. Uh, there's all kinds of success stories. There's everything you would ever want to know about us on there. Outstanding. Debbie, I'm so glad you started this project, and I want to thank you for coming on the show today to talk to us about it. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Marie. We need to take a very short break, but we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events here on AM 1260. Don't go away. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. The Orange County SPCA is proud to present its 14th annual Walk for the Animals on September 25th. Participate in the walk, visit with Grand Marshal Snoopy, see the Southern California Disc Dogs perform, enter a movie star look-alike costume contest with your pet, Try a mini agility course and so much more. Event day registration takes place from 7.30 to 8.45 a.m. And the official start time for the walk is 9 a.m. at lovely Huntington Beach Central Park East, located at Golden West and Talbert Avenue behind the Central Library. For more information and early registration info, visit www.orangecountyspca.org. That's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please stay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. (laughs) 